Drew Timmy and Rasir Bolton played their final games at the McCarthy Athletic Center on Wednesday in a win over Chicago State. We celebrate those moving on and question the WCC award decisions right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, happy March 2nd. We are a few days into the greatest month of the year. The Zags have closed out the regular season with a big victory over Chicago State in a tune-up game senior night for Drew Timmy, for Rasir Bolton. Also for Anton Watson, for Malachi Smith, potentially for Julian Strother and other players who may have played their final game in the kennel. We'll talk about that more in the final segment. We're also going to talk about the WCC Awards. Drew Timmy, co-player of the year with Brandon Podzimski of Santa Clara. If you watch the broadcast, you know that the broadcasters, namely Richard Fox, had some thoughts about Drew Timmy sharing that award. There was also plenty of controversy and discussion about Anton Watson being selected as an honorable mention. We'll talk about that. But first, I want to talk about this game on Wednesday, what it meant for the Zags, what it meant for Drew Timmy, what it meant uh, to kind of close out the regular season, a a more up-and-down regular season than we've seen from the Zags in the past. But in a game like this, topped 100 points, 104 to 65 was the final score. Not surprising against a pretty bad, uh, low-budget Chicago State program. But the Zags stopped 108 times this year. That's a program record. In what has been considered a down year for the Zags, yes, two of those came here against Chicago State, one of them against Eastern Oregon and NAIA program. So there's a little tiny bit of a grain of salt there. Some people will point out that, oh, the WCC, blah, blah, blah. That's not really the case. They got 100 against Alabama, for example, I don't think that, that there's not a lot of arguments you can make there. Uh, but yeah, Chicago State, obviously not a great po- program, but for this team to top 108 times in a season proves that the offensive firepower is absolutely there. I love that they scheduled this game. Yes, senior night is more fun when it's against BYU or St. Mary's or, or even some of the other higher level WCC opponents, but the Zags have too often had this really long gap between when they play in the WCC tournament, which lately has been not until Monday or Tuesday. Uh, So they have this entire week plus off. Oftentimes they have nine or 10 days between games. So this makes a ton of sense to me. Get a game where you don't have to to worry too much about the result. You don't have to worry too much about whether you're going to win the game. You can send your seniors off in style. You can get them good minutes, get them good action, get them kind of staying in game shape without having to tax them too much and while still getting opportunities to play some of your younger guys, some of the you know players who, who might be a bigger part of the future. And that's pretty much exactly what Gonzaga did in this game. The game started with seniors. Malachi Smith started over Nolan Hickman, which is totally unsurprising considering the circumstances. Uh, Watson fed Timmy for the opening bucket, and we were off. Senior power in this one. Timmy finished with 17 points, four boards, three assists, two blocks on seven of 10 shooting in 27 minutes. Hyper-efficient night from the big fellow, the final one for him. In the McCarthy Athletic Center, Rasir Bolton, the other player who we know with certainty that it is his final game because he does not have any more eligibility remaining. Bolton finished with 15 points, two assists, a steal, and a board. Five of 10 from the field, but four of seven from deep in 24 minutes. Anton Watson 
Seven assists, 10 points for him, four steals, three boards, two blocks on three of four shooting. Another one of those crazy efficient nights from Anton. And then Malachi Smith, 14 points, nine boards and a steal, four of five shooting in a game high 29 minutes for him. So we saw the seniors kind of come in, do what we expected them to do, uh, have a really dominant, really efficient, and just look like they were having fun. They just looked like they were having fun. And that, at the end of the day, that's kind of what you want. There was a little bit of a lull early in this game before Gonzaga really took off. Once they took off, things were pretty darn easy after that. And so it was nice to see the seniors come out, have some fun, ham it up with the crowd, hit some big shots, get to celebrate, but not have to do anything so taxing and daunting and exhausting that you worry about whether they're going to be able to turn it around and play successfully on Monday and Tuesday uh, before, of course, heading into the NCAA tournament the week after that. Beyond the seniors, it was good to see some other players get opportunities as well. Players who who we know are going to be back. We don't know about Anton Watson. We don't know about Malachi Smith. To an extent, we don't know about Julian Strothrell. I didn't mention him here. But we do know that Drew Timmy's gone. We do know that Rasir Bolton's gone. And so seeing the players who might step into some of those roles was an important part of this game as well. And they're not secrets. You know, it's Ben Gregg and Hunter Salas for the most part. Like, we've seen them quite a bit this year. Hunter Salas played 26 minutes in this game. It was not his strongest game, at least from a box score perspective. Uh, Four points, four boards, two steals, and an assist. He fouled out in those 25 minutes, missed all three of his three-pointers. None of them were bad shots. One of them was not a great shot. The other two were good shots. They just didn't knock down. But he also had the highlight of the day, one of the highlights of the entire season. There's two fantastic highlights in this game, Anton Watson, alley-oop, throw down to Julian Strother, and a great assist from Watson to Strother. But the other one was Hunter Salas, gets a steal, gets on a breakaway. I think he only took one step from inside the three-point line and threw down an absolute hammer of a dunk. It should have been all over Sports Center. I didn't stay up late enough to see if it was, but it absolutely should have been. It was a fantastic play and a, a very good description of what's to come for Hunter. I think next year you see him step into a starting role, uh, whether I think there's a chance that he starts alongside Nolan Hickman, and I think there's actually a, a real chance. We'll talk about this more in the offseason, but – I think there's a chance that Hunter Salas steps into the starting point guard role next year and that they kind of transition Hunt, uh, Nolan Hickman into a bit more of an off-ball role. We've seen Gonzaga start two point guards in the past. Hunter Salas has pretty distinctly been playing point guard when he comes into the game, and I think there's an opportunity for those two guys to kind of be the primary ones in a two-point guard lineup next season uh, if you know that's the direction that Mark Few wants to go. Mentioned Strother, this potentially being his final home game as well. He had 11 points and four assists in this one. Uh, I, I think he's NBA bound. We'll talk about him a little bit more in the third and final segment. And of course, a bunch, uh, April, May, and June leading up to the draft, depending on, on, on when we hear about a decision from him. But uh, if this was the final one, it was a bit of a quieter night from him, but they didn't need him to do anything particularly special. And we're all going to be a lot happier if he has a really strong performance uh, in his hometown of Las Vegas on Monday and Tuesday. And yeah, I mentioned the other depth guys. I know Nolan Hickman's not typically a depth guy. He's typically a starter, but he came off the bench in this one and had an awesome game. He hit five three-pointers on six attempts, mind you, five of six from deep, 15 points, four boards, and two steals from him. Ben Gregg, 10 and five in 19 minutes on four or five shooting. And then Dominic Harris. Dominic Harris only played five minutes in this game at the very end of the game, but he had eight points. He hit a three early in the game, early in his time in the game. 
A few possessions later, hit another three, and the next possession down, got a pass down low and finished with a reverse lay-in. Really, really smooth, efficient performance from Dominic Harris. He looked good. He looked ready to play. Uh, we'll see what that means for him next year. Again, I'm projecting Salas and Hickman to potentially handle a large majority of the minutes at the guard rotations, but I think there's a very distinct possibility for Dom to step into a much bigger role. It's going to depend what happens with Malachi Smith. That's a huge kind of factor here because if Smith comes back and Hickman comes back and Salas comes back and you add Dusty Stromer into the mix, it gets a little bit more complicated in terms of what those minutes might look like in the guard rotation, but I absolutely think there is a good chance for Dom to step into a bigger role next year, and he proved what he is capable of doing in a small five-minute sample size against primarily Chicago State's backups. But you know what? When he has gotten minutes this year, regardless of who the opponent has been, he has looked good, and I think that that's worth uh, worth acknowledging. Efton Reed also played in this game. He only played three minutes, but you know what? I'm just happy to see Efton Reed on the basketball floor. He suffered that back injury a few weeks ago. We haven't, I think he sat out three games. I uh, hadn't seen him at all, but he didn't have the brace on today, was warmed up with the team, got a couple minutes of action. Hopefully that means that if Gonzaga needs to turn to him in an NCAA tournament or even a WCC tournament game, that he will be ready to roll. God, Anton Watson did not make the All-WCC first or second team. Drew Timmy was named Co-WCC Player of the Year, which felt a little disrespectful, quite honestly. We're going to talk more on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers for Sacramento. Maybe you like Zach Collins in his new role with the Spurs to keep up the high production. Maybe you like to make an exclusive bet betting on Corey Kispert to hit two threes in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. And I still want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, now that it's March, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's talk about these WCC awards. For those of you who've been listening to the show fairly regularly, you know that I submitted my WCC award projections, predictions, thoughts, feelings, etc. in an episode last week. I also talked a, a few days after that about specifically the WCC Player of the Year award for Drew Timmy. Uh, and I talked about how Timmy was going to be in a competition, a heated competition with LMU guard Cam Shelton and San, excuse me, Santa Clara guard Brandon Podzimski. Well, Drew Timmy ended up splitting the award with Brandon Podzimski. He was named co-WCC Player of the Year. For starters, Drew becomes the first back-to-back -back winner of the WCC Player of the Year award since Blake Stepp. That was a long time ago that Blake Stepp was WCC Player of the Year in back-to-back -back years. I was a little surprised that nobody else has done that since then. However, thinking about it, Gonzaga seems to rotate through high-level players fairly consistently, so it seems like we've seen 
multiple different players from Gonzaga almost steal that award from each other in back-to-back years. Players like Kelly Olenek only really had one elite season where they would have won that award. Uh, so I guess it kind of makes sense, but it still felt surprising to me that we've been it's been 20 years since we've had back-to-back WCC Player of the Year award winners. Drew Timmy absolutely deserved this. And I, that's not to say that Brandon Podzimski did not deserve this. Those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but you, in my mind, you should pick one. And Dan Dickow kind of said that on the broadcast. He said it's player of the year. And I kind of agree with that. And I think if you're going to pick one of these two guys, you've got to go with Drew. Drew is second in the conference in points per game behind Cam Shelton. Podzimski was third. Drew is fourth in the conference in rebounds. Drew is ninth in the conference in assists. Beyond that, he had the highest win shares. He had the highest usage rate. He was on a better team. And as Richard Fox said, <laughs> Richard Fox had a lot of thoughts about this, and I loved it. I appreciated it. He basically said, I hope I don't get in trouble for what I said on the broadcast, which I hope that he does not either. I don't think that he should, but he was a little fired up about it. He, he had feelings about where, where uh, Drew Timmy should have been here and, and basically said, one of these guys is going to be an All-American, and one of them is not. And he's right. He's right about that. Should that necessarily determine the award? No, not necessarily, but... Drew Timmy was on a better team. He scored more points. He was a higher usage rate. He had a better field goal percentage. Yes, Brandon Pazimski had more rebounds, which is matters. I mean, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but Brandon Pazimski is a guard who had more rebounds per game than Drew Timmy. He also had more assists per game, although barely a 0.2 assists per game difference when you consider that Drew Timmy is a center. Eh. But Pazimski was 11th in usage rate compared to Drew Timmy, who was first. Podzimski did have a higher box plus minus, but I just, to me, it's Drew. Better team, like I said, the the kind of the focal point of the conference, the most well-known player, the top of every scouting report, and he still went out and scored 20-plus points per game. He still led this team to very, very few losses in conference play. It should have been Drew. And it's it's not, I'm, I'm not that crushed about this some people i saw social media <laughs> a few hours after this came out some people had so had some real feelings about this and like, i'm not going to tell anybody how to feel about anything but the wcc awards just don't matter that much to me to be perfectly honest they don't but i think that they probably got this one half right i was going to say not wrong necessarily but only half correct i think Podzimski should have been all wcc first teamer and i think if there was a second place it should have been him but they kind of determined that instead of there being a second place there's just two first place and i'm not sure that i agree with that uh the big the, the perhaps more egregious or, or more upsetting at least for me of the award decisions was anton watson being an honorable mention And I'll be clear, for those of you who listened to my episode a few weeks ago, when I discussed my awards, I also had Anton Watson as as an honorable mention. His performance over the last few weeks and some of the performance of the other players would have made me change my mind. I think if I had actually submitted a vote for this, I would have at least had him on the second team. I think it's difficult to not even have him there. And I think the first note here is that there are a lot of very talented players in WCC. And I think that a lot of the initial reaction to this was that, like, how can there be this many players better than Gonzaga's players? And it's not, all WCC awards are not necessarily just a list of the best players. Uh, I don't think Marcellus Erlington is a better player than Anton Watson, but I think Marcellus Erlington averaging 18 points per game for even a, a not very good San Diego team, for example, probably makes him more deserving of being an all WCC award member. And there's some politics that go into that and various other things, and, and that's fine. But Anton Watson, he led the WCC in offensive rating. He was sixth in the WCC in win shares. He was sixth in the WCC in player efficiency rating. So basically, he was one of the most efficient offensive players in the entire conference, clearly. 
He was fourth in the conference in box plus minus. He was top six offensively. He was sixth offensively and fourth defensively. So he's a borderline top five player in the conference, both offensively and defensively using the box plus minus numbers. He was second in steals, second in steals per game, first in steal percentage. We know that's one of his strongest uh, attributes to this team is his ability to take away the basketball. It's just hard to not rank him over some of those second teamers. Again, there's an argument for him on the first team, and I think you could absolutely make it. But for me, the immediate look is like, I would take him over Keyshawn Justice and Moses Wood, who were both on the second team. I would take him over both those guys. I've watched a fair amount of Santa Clara basketball. I watched even more Portland basketball this year. I think Moses Wood's very good, but he's fairly one-dimensional. He's an outside shooter. He can get to the rim a little bit, doesn't play great defense. Anton Watson's just better. You ask any coach in the conference who they would rather have on their team, nobody's going to take Moses Wood. And again, I'm not trying to trash him in particular, but I'm just telling you that that's, that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. And so for me, that's not necessarily how you should determine awards, but I think Anton Watson should have made the second team over those guys. I think you could make a very strong argument that he should have made the first team. And I think you can make an argument for him as defensive player of the year. That's the only other award that I really had any major issue with. But the, the thing about the defensive player of the year award Gonzaga was not a good defensive team this year. There is no beating around the bush there. There is no sugarcoating that. It is a fact. St. Mary's, on the other hand, was an elite defensive team this year. Elite. One of the very best in the entire country. They have multiple really, really good individual defensive basketball players. Gonzaga has a few, but really Anton Watson is their best defensive player who would have been in consideration for this award. Hunter Salas is a phenomenal defensive player, but I don't think his, his minutes were really enough for him to be in consideration here. I'm not surprised it went to a St. Mary's player. I'm a tiny bit surprised it went to Logan Johnson, quite honestly. I think Kyle Bowen is a better defensive player. I thought Mitchell Saxon, being the leading one of the leading rebounders and the leader in shot block and blocks per game, would have been in more consideration there. But they basically gave the award to Logan Johnson for being one of the best players on the best defensive team. And I, I'm not sure I love that. And I think there's a strong argument that Anton Watson could have won it over Logan Johnson. But when you consider how different those two teams are in terms of their overall defensive ability, I'm not surprised that the voters leaned giving it to somebody on St. Mary's. And like I said, I'm pretty much fine with the other awards. Malachi Smith got sixth man of the year over Rudy Williams at BYU. I was a little bit surprised by that, but I'm also very happy with it. Malachi Smith was a truly fantastic microwave scorer coming off the bench, had some really, really big games, had many games where he led Gonzaga in scoring or was top two in scoring, many games where he led the team in minutes coming off the bench. You don't see that all that often. Those are the kind of things that that tend to get you in consideration for this type of award. Uh, Bennett, coach of the year, that's the right call. It deserves to be him. The other candidate there really would have been Logan Johnson, or not Logan Johnson, Stan Johnson. Let's try that again, uh, the LMU head coach. Uh, but I think Bennett probably deserved that one here. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm okay with generally what happened with the awards. Uh, but Drew Timmy should have been a solo winner for the WCC Player of the Year. Uh, and Anton Watson should have should have been on the second team and maybe should have won Defensive Player of the Year. I didn't mention Julian Strother was also on the first team. He's the other player for Gonzaga who was on this list and absolutely well-deserved for his placement there. All right, Drew Timmy is gone. Rasir Bolton is gone. Let's talk about them and also the other seniors and what we might expect from them this offseason. Who's coming, who's staying, who, you know, what, what the situation might be right after this. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton still locked on Zach, still talking seniors here. The final game of Drew Timmy's home career in Spokane happened Wednesday night against Chicago State. Rasir Bolton's final home game 
of his collegiate career as well. We'll talk about those guys briefly. We'll also talk about three other players and whether we think they're going to be back next year or not. We'll start with Drew Timmy. We talked about Drew a lot on Wednesday's show. If you missed it, highly recommend it. It was a fun kind of conversation about how Drew Timmy not only embodies what Gonzaga basketball is and has been for many years, but he also kind of embodies college life. And he just embodies that, the spirit of a college kid, the uh, kind of what you expect from college students is who Drew Timmy is. And I talked about that in more detail on Wednesday's show. Uh, It's going to be a a hard world without Drew Timmy uh, on the basketball team. But for me personally, I mentioned this uh, on Twitter. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the show, but my first podcast ever about Gonzaga basketball was the score Zag score podcast was what I started before I took over as the host of locked on Zags. And I talked about Drew Timmy on like my second episode ever because he was right before his freshman season. That's when it was. I have not podcasted about Gonzaga without Drew Timmy on the roster. It hasn't happened. So it's going to be a bit of an adjustment for me. Uh, I think he, in theory he could shock the world and come back, but I don't think he's going to. If you didn't listen to the Gimme Timmy podcast, his own podcast with Noah Bruno, uh, I would suggest checking out or at least find the clips on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, of just the the clips of him specifically talking about his time at Gonzaga because he mentions like you know how how hard of a decision it was last year but this year he just feels ready to go he feels like it's his time he's accomplished what he wanted to accomplish uh he has so much love for Spokane so much love for Gonzaga and it was really really nice to listen to sad sad to lose Drew Timmy but understandable and and, and wish him nothing but the absolute best Rasir Bolton decided to take his extra year of eligibility and come back to Spokane last season uh getting two years of Rasir Bolton was incredible He was more of an up and down player this year. He was not as consistent in his role. It took him a little bit longer to find it. Uh, There was some frustration a little bit about kind of where he was and why he wasn't as consistent as we saw from him last year. But when he was on, man, he was really on. In the last few weeks, he has been coming around screens and going downhill and getting towards the basket. And when he can do that, when he can finish that way, he's really unstoppable. And as Gonzaga's third scorer, a player who can do that, he's going to be an integral part of what this team is trying to do for the rest of this month. Beyond that, he's a charitable guy. He came to Spokane with NIL opportunities, and and the first thing he chose to do was to get involved in the homeless community, helping get backpacks uh, for homeless people in the Spokane community, raising tons of money, awareness. And that impact goes so far beyond the incredible impact that he has had on the basketball floor. Rasir Bolton, for a two-year player in Spokane, will be dearly missed, not just from his basketball contributions again, but because of who he was off the court. He's one of my favorites. I'm going to be sad to see him gone, uh, but I'm so happy that we got two years from him. After that, it gets a little bit murkier. How many more players played their final game at the McCarthy Athletic Center on Wednesday? We don't know. We know those two guys did with near 100% certainty. We know it with 100% certainty for Rasir, with 90-plus, 95-plus, 99-plus percent certainty for Drew Timmy. But after that, it gets a little bit murkier. Anton Watson completed his fourth season in Spokane on Wednesday. That was his fourth year, but it was not his final year of eligibility. As we know, players part of the COVID-19 season, they have gained an extra year of eligibility. Anton Watson could come back. I don't know what he is going to do. I have maintained that Watson is a true 50-50 to me right now. He is from Spokane. He played at Gonzaga Prep. He has been kind of an iconic figure in Spokane and in Gonzaga lower for for years now, close to a decade. I could see him coming back, taking on a bigger role, helping to fill the void offensively for Drew Timmy being gone, 
and really kind of running it back in a way that makes him like the best player, like the focal point of this team. I think if Mark Few and the staff can sell him on, hey, when we come down the floor, you know, all those opportunities where we look for Drew right away, we're going to look to you. And you're going to be the one who has to make the determinations on, hey, I'm getting doubled, I'm going to kick it out, or hey, I got single coverage, I'm going to go and go to the basket and try to score, while also being, you know, if he if he's upset he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year this year, he's going to he can come back and win it next year. He'd come back, make that all WCC first team. I think those things are all within the realm of possibility for Anton Watson to come back. Having said that, I could also see him saying, hey, I've been here four years. I did my part. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go play professionally. I'm ready to get my degree. I'm ready to, to move on. So his will be an interesting story to follow because it really kind of is a big domino in terms of what Gonzaga does with the rest of their front court. Do they go find a transfer? Do they rely on Efton Reed to be more of a player next year? What does Watson returning mean for Ben Gregg? Does it mean Ben Gregg stays coming off the bench next year? Does it mean Gregg slides into the four and Watson bumps up to the five? Lots of kind of conversations that we'll have more of throughout the offseason once we kind of get a better sense of, of what Watson might be doing. Next up is Malachi Smith. Malachi Smith could pull a Rasir Bolton. Be a graduate transfer who comes to Spokane and plays two years as opposed to just playing one. I have heard rumblings that he's probably only going to play one year, but I, they are not substantiated, and there's no indication that he has made a decision either way. I did not think Rasir Bolton was going to come back. At this time last year, I was probably 80-something percent sure that Rasir Bolton was a one-and-done in Spokane, and he came back. So I don't want to make any kind of guarantees about Malachi Smith. It would be awesome to get him back. And I mentioned kind of earlier in the show, him coming back is a big domino in terms of what's going to happen with Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman and what's going to happen with Dominic Harris and what's going to happen with Dusty Stromer. But Malachi Smith, if he were to return, would instantly have a big role on this team next year. He's a good outside shooter. He's good at using his physicality to get around the rim. He's got that floater game strong. His on-ball defensive instincts are very, very good. I think he'd be a huge player to have back. But I, I again, I'm about 50-50 on him right now as well. If I had to absolutely guess, I'd say he's probably gone. But I would not be shocked if he came back either. And then there's Julian Strother. Julian Strother is probably gone. That's my projection here. I also felt fairly confident that he was going to leave last year, and he did not. So, again, who knows? Uh, but at this point, Strother's recent performances have really put him back squarely on the map, not just as a, hey, maybe he's a late second round guy if he decides to come out of the drafts to now like, hey, he's a late first, maybe early second round guy. And if he performs well at the combine, which he did last year in terms of testing, he did not scrimmage, but he tested and he tested very well from an athletic standpoint, assuming he tests well in that perspective next year or this year. And he's got more tape. He's got more tape of him hitting NBA range threes, putting together the floater, playing more aggressive defensive styles, all of that stuff. I think he fits, and I've talked about this on a recent podcast as well, I think he fits the modern NBA game really well. He's a good three-point shooter. He's got good size. He's good at using his, his size to be impactful on the defensive end of the floor. I think he's a, a high-level role player in the NBA from day one. And I think a good team in the late first round could absolutely draft him and plug him and play him uh, into a role right away. That's it for the guys that we kind of want to talk about here. There obviously could be other departures. They would be transfers, and we just don't know. We have theories as to some players who maybe aren't playing as much as they should uh, or they feel like they should, and then they, those players may choose to move on, and that's the reality we're in right now. That's just the way that college basketball works is you got to kind of re-recruit your roster every single year. So maybe we'll see some more movement. Uh, who knows? But right now, those are the players that I think there's a reasonable expectation that they may have played their final game in a Gonzaga uniform uh, on Wednesday against Chicago State. 
All right, that's going to do it for me today. We're talking Lady Zags and previewing the WCC tournament to close out the week on Friday. I'll be in Las Vegas recording the next couple of episodes uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week. Uh, if you're there, let me know. Shoot me a message on Twitter, Andy Patton CBB. Shoot me an email, andypatton013 at gmail.com. Trying to say hi to people, trying to meet some of you all as we uh, kind of get a chance to, to gather together in the desert and, and watch the Zags for two more games. Uh, hopefully two more victories uh, as they put, as they win the WCC tournament and get a higher seed in March. Also check out the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. Myself, co-host Isaac Shade, as we continue to break down the most exciting month of the college basketball season. It is available wherever you get podcasts, available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button for both shows on YouTube if you haven't done so yet. Help welcome us into March. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.